All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. I meant to record last night. I was just too tired to do it. I'll be honest with you. So here we are. So Mike Leach will speak later today at SEC Media Days. I know people get excited about Media Days. It's not the... uh, it's not the thrill for me, I guess, that it is for some other people. You know, I haven't been in a couple of years because so much of it's done virtually now, and, and uh, you can get just about everything on the SEC network. That said, there is about a 10-minute segment that Leach will do with local reporters that will not be televised. And uh, Robbie Falk and Mike Nemeth are covering for us, so they're there. They'll have that information over on jeanspage.com shortly after that session concludes. I'm eager to see what Leach does today, though, to be honest his first time before the SEC media at the Media Day event. And you know as well as I do, there will be some people that will have some loaded questions, you know, hoping to get some viral comment to get clicks and that sort of stuff. So just be mindful of that. I I don't think that Leach is going to talk a lot about vaccinations. I don't think he'll talk a lot about name, image, and likeness, even though he will be asked about both of those topics. So I just don't think that's really what he wants to talk about. We'll kind of see how things progress. But – you know, the bottom line is, as I shared on Monday show, there is just so much to discuss about name, image, and likeness because we're all just sort of figuring this thing out. Nick Saban said yesterday that, uh, that Bryce Young is already basically a millionaire, and that is shocking to me in many respects. I think there has to be some regulation in all this, and you can say, well, it's a free market enterprise, and it is, but there has to be some type of regulation because how, how do you prevent – that from becoming part of the recruiting pitch it's a hey you come here we've already got a million dollars in endorsements lined up for you now the quarterback at alabama is always going to be a very marketable personality but this is a young man that hasn't started a game and so we're beginning to see this is really kind of a pandora's box in many respects but at the end of the day the ncaa drugged their feet the NCAA did not take meaningful action, and now they're paying for it. And they have really, really, really put a difficult situation in, into reality now because there's going to be a lot of programs out there that simply are not going to be able to compete. And in some respects, we're going to be one of them, especially in football. Mississippi is uh, one of the most 
sparsely populated states in the union. We don't have a lot of industry compared to some other states. And so the marketing opportunities are not going to be there as they would be in some other places. And so, you know, the rich get richer in many respects. And some would argue, well, those players are already getting paid. Well, you know, let's not be ridiculous about that too. Now that you can do it, you know, without the cloak and dagger, it doesn't all have to be just some clandestine, you know, drop off somewhere. There are going to be a lot of people. They're going to take advantage of this. The thing that I've always said is, you know, once you get them on campus, you know, it, it's really, it's unregulated in many respects. You know, it should be. You know, there's always, you know, an emphasis on impermissible benefits for players when they are recruits. And then they become student athletes. And you and I both know that there's a lot of things that go on that, um, you know, maybe are under the NCAA radar. Well, now you've got this, and you could have some really lucrative opportunities for amateur student athletes that weren't available before. And I just don't know what that means long-term for Mississippi State. And so maybe perhaps if you're an industry, maybe if you're a person that's in business, maybe you get involved with this and you can do things that, you know, that are legally, you know, to help Mississippi State, you know, secure better student athletes but you can't do it through the recruiting process. And so that's just something that is still kind of being, un, you know, kind of unfolding before our eyes here. It's, it's really shameful in some respects because I think that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to, you know, do what they can to kind of circumvent the system as best they can. But, you know, the rules only apply to the law abiding. You know, cheaters, you can make all the rules you want. For them, they're still going to cheat, so make some cheaters. But there are a lot of things now that would have been an NCAA violation before that can now be done legally. It's incredible to think about. It's incredible to think about. I mean, it really is. It's absolutely incredible to think about. So that will dominate the discussion in, in the weeks and months ahead. I don't know how you regulate it. It's one of those things like once the toothpaste is out of the tube, how do you get it back in? You just can't. And again, some inaction on behalf of the NCAA is is really – uh, brought this thing to the forefront of the college athletics discussion. You know, the thing that I go back to in many respects is, you know, what does this mean for female student athletes? What does it mean? I mean, you know, there, obviously there's some people that have cheated in women's basketball and track. We're well aware of that. And much of that was academic impropriety. But where are the marketing opportunities going to be for female student athletes? When you hear that a guy that's never started a game has already got a million dollars worth of name, image, and likeness marketing opportunities already in place, and you think about our partial scholarship softball players, many of which have worked just as hard as football players that has happened to excel in a different sport, do you think that collectively they're going to come up with a million dollars of marketing opportunities? The answer to that question is probably no. And so the NCAA is probably looking at years of litigation and years of legislation to sort this mess out. Because right now it really is the wild, wild west. Because all those people before that maybe perhaps were, uh, you know, filling, you know, red Nike backpacks and things like that, now all of a sudden, hey, here's the deal. We want to have this guy come speak at an alumni function or a private party, and we're willing to pay, you know, $10,000. You know, for him to do that, there's an appearance fee involved here, and we're willing to pay that. You know, who determines what's fair market value? 
And in a capitalist society, as you guys know, it's like, you know, well, prices go up based on demand. And so let's say you've got, maybe you had a guy like Dak Prescott. Well, you know, Dak could do, you know, speaking appearances all the time. And the requests would be just absolutely endless. And so to kind of weed that out and to make it worth his, his while, you would say, okay, well, we're going to charge ten grand for an appearance. Well, you know, his time is somewhat limited. We only have 24 hours in a day. So he's going to want to make as much money as he can with each opportunity. And so those are the things that I think about. Is, you know, is there a cap on some of this? Is there anybody out there that's saying, okay, this is what's reasonable for this? And how do you make that fair? I mean, honestly, let's be honest. If, if he had a speaking engagement, you know, and let's say, you know, Boonville, Mississippi, don't you think that's going to kind of pale in comparison financially compared to, let's say, one in Memphis or Jackson or Baton Rouge? And so those are the things you look at. This is, this is how you look at things. You know, it's what, what, what does the NCAA need to do to ensure – that this is not a situation that completely runs off the rails. I'm concerned about it. I think you should be as well. I do believe in many respects it helps us in baseball. And it's because of the fact that baseball, we, we are a baseball school. And the guys like Jag Mangum and Justin Foscue and, and uh, Rowdy Jordan, Tanner Allen, those guys are extremely marketable. They have a great brand. And many of them also have our own partial scholarships. So there's also – a financial requirement to them playing college athletics. And so I think in some respects that's good for us because, you know, let's be honest, you know, a baseball player at Auburn is just not going to carry the same weight in the state of Alabama as a Mississippi State baseball player would in the state of Mississippi. That's just the reality of life. You know, when you begin to break it down even more, I mean, you know, what do you do you know, if a guy at, uh, you know, at Mississippi Valley? What do you do if a guy is at Mississippi College? What do you do, you know, for student athletes at, say, Jacksonville State? You know, those guys aren't going to be nearly as marketable. And so I am a firm believer in letting guys make some money, make female and male athletes have the opportunity to make some money on their brand. You know, and again, I think people don't fully appreciate you can't get out there on a TV commercial and say so-and-so is a Mississippi State guy. It's just going to be their own name. Hey, this is Dak Prescott. It can't be, hey, this is Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Mississippi State Bulldogs. You can't trade on the university's name. And so I think a lot of people maybe don't fully appreciate that. And so there are going to be some players out there that just don't have a marketable brand, so they're not going to make any money. And, and that, of course, as always, could lend to, uh, you know, some controversy in a locker room. There could be some jealousy. It could be some pettiness. So there's a lot to navigate. I don't have the answers today. I got a lot of concerns, but I got a lot of answers. Uh, I don't have a lot of answers, to be honest with you. I think this is something that um, is going to evolve a lot over the course of the next couple of years. You know, the, the simplest thing to do was to be to have everybody sign the name, image, and likeness agreement and then share in the, in the, re, in the resources. Now, that said, you know, why should a guy like Dak Prescott or Jack, Jake Mangum, you know, be capped? you know, when they're, they're the more marketable commodity. And so what you're telling me is that by doing it that way, Jake Mangum would make the same amount as your bullpen catcher. Is that fair to Jake? No, it's not. And so there's really no way to make this fair and at the same time, um, you know, 
be a situation where everybody's treated fairly. And life's not fair either. It's not. But when you're young and impressionable, maybe you don't fully appreciate that. So, again, that'll dominate much of the conversation the next couple days at SEC Media Days. We'll get into some Media Day stuff a little bit later in the show. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. I love that place. You will, too. The best, the best thing about it is when I decide, hey, we're going to Bulldog Burger Company, kids, I know that everybody is going to have a good meal. I know that everybody is going to get what they want. I know there's something on the menu for everybody. Nobody is going to be upset about going to Bulldog Burger Company. In fact, people love it. I know when I, I my college girls, I'll reach out and say, hey, you guys meet me at Bulldog Burger Company at 7. Once we navigate a time, because, you know, that's the thing about college girls is they've always got a million things going on. They go and we have a great time together. We have a great meal. We get great food at a great price. And the portions are, are so substantial. There's always food to take home. Absolutely love going there. Three locations to serve you. University Drive here in Start Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. That is a really nice looking building too. And then the, the, the new one, Lake Harbor Drive there in Ridgewood. Go by, check it out. Have the spring rolls. The Pimentology Ad Bacon is the Boneyard Burger of choice. If you haven't done that, let me encourage you to do so. It'll make you feel a whole lot better about life. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, broke some news a little bit earlier today. I say break news. Uh, he announced on his social media account, that's R.J. Yeager, shortstop from Mercer University, will be transferring to Mississippi State for his final year of college eligibility. I had a chance to speak with R.J. earlier. He said Mississippi State was involved with him shortly after he entered the portal. This is a guy that is very, very important. I was kind of curious why he didn't get drafted. A lot of people say, you know, you know, he's 6'3", 200 pounds. You know, he has a, you know, an MLB-type body. This is a guy, too, that has played a ton of shortstop. Let's run some numbers here, too. You know, there are not a lot of players out there that have the same experience that RJ does. This guy has played a ton of college baseball. Let me get his numbers pulled up here. It's one of those things, too. I got a million tabs open, so it takes me a minute sometimes to find it. But uh, one of the things that jumped out to me, this is a remarkable stat. This guy, in four years of college baseball, four years, has grounded into four double plays. Three of those came in his freshman year. So his last three seasons, he has grounded into one double play. That may seem like a small thing. I think it's an actually very, a very big thing. It te- what it tells me is that this is a guy that can place to baseball. This is a guy that's a, is a bit of a place hitter. You know, this is a guy that understands – you know, the importance of waiting for his pitch and not hitting the pitcher's pitch and rolling one out there in the middle infield and getting doubled up. That's great. So he is a career 291 hitter, had his best year at the plate, um, I guess this year. I looked at these numbers better, incorrect earlier. He had, well, he had 308 uh, as a senior, 57 games played, 234 at bat, 72 hits. That's the second. His freshman year, he had 73, which is remarkable. 17 doubles, 13 home runs, uh, 50 RBIs. So pretty much career highs in just about every aspect uh, this year. This is a guy that is very, very skilled. Seven errors on the year in 145 attempts. Yeah, that's, that, that's got to get a little bit better. It's a little bit better than uh, we've had at times, too. He had 10 stolen bases this year, 10 sacrifice hits. Uh, five of those are sacrifice flies. It's a guy who they can bun a little bit. And so, and, I, and I'm, I'm incorrect. It was the three double plays. Mercer has these numbers flipped. 
three double plays this year, but still four four double plays in his entire college career. That's pretty remarkable to think about. He has started every game of his college career at shortstop. So I asked him, you know, what does that mean? What if Mississippi State told you about their needs? And so they just told him. He said, hey, listen, we got a couple of guys on the infield. They're pretty versatile, as you guys know. You know, Cam has played some at short, played some at third. Forsyth is a guy that can play short or play second. And so basically you're just adding another guy to that mix and then you've got an availability at second, you know, with Scotty moving on. And so, basically, you know, you, I could see a situation where he plays any of the three spots. He could play third, he could play short, he could play second. You know, maybe you move four side to second. Maybe you plug in Jaeger at short. You know, we'll see how things progress. But this is a great thing. It gives you options. You know, Kendall Rogers is one of those guys, too. Once he went into the portal, Kendall said, this is a guy that's going to help immediately. You know, we begin to think about power numbers. You know, we had with five guys hit double-digit home runs, so now you add another one in. You add another double-digit home run guy, 13 dingers, 13. And we play in an offensive park nowadays, too. So this is a guy that's going to come in here, I think, and really you know, provide some pop in the order, but also, too, can help you out defensively. He is a guy that uh, obviously wants to get to Omaha. He said he saw what Scotty DeBrule did, you know, took advantage of his extra year of eligibility. Said he wants to be that same kind of guy. Guys, we're going to be a good baseball team next year. I don't think people fully appreciate that. I know there's some people out there that say, oh, they're going to just fall off, you know, because T.A. and Rowdy are gone. And I I absolutely do not believe that. And nor should you. We we are not a senior-laden team or even a junior-laden team at the end of a talent cycle. Just not how it's going to work. Dare I say it, we might actually be better next year. You can say, well, Steve, come on now. We lost a Bednar, and we did. We did, but down the stretch, we really only had one dominant starting pitcher, just one, and we won a national championship. Christian McLeod had some big moments for us, did not have a good postseason. He didn't. Eric Sarantola expected to be a high draft pick, and he ended up going pretty pretty high, all things considered. Uh, pitched very little at all after his uh, outing at LSU. So, you know, starting pitching could actually be better next year. I would not rule out Landon Sims making a move to the weekend rotation. I think he wants to do that. I know people say, well, Steve, now he's a closer. You need to do your own research, guys. Beginning of the year, he was a middle reliever. Maybe you've forgotten. He was a middle reliever going three and four innings of ball game. He didn't become the closer until later. And he was dominant. Don't get me wrong. Where does he fit? I don't know. But I know that he is capable when you've got a guy that that kind of ability. He needs to pitch as many innings as he can. And so if that, if that means he's a Friday night guy, then so be it. But I think there's a good chance he pitches on the weekend. Cade Smith, that guy's a dog. Excited about him. I think he, he'll factor on the weekend. What does Jackson Fristo bring? I don't know. He kind of hit the wall mentally last year. You know, he's got to grow up a little bit. I'm not, I'm not speaking negatively about the young man. I'm just saying that you know, he's got to mature a little bit. I mean, he was kind of thrown to the wolves this year, too. Remember, we wasn't expected to pitch much this year, and he ended up starting the year as a starter out in, uh, in Arlington. You know, you find that all of a sudden you got to go throw in that ball game. I and mean, that's did pretty well became a guy that we could kind of count on on Sundays, even though even though he couldn't finish, he was a decent enough opener sometimes that we would still win a ball game. So, 
you know, it's just one of those things you look at. We've got some options. And, of course, uh, Aaron Walling coming in, you know, where does he factor in? I know he wants to be a starter. Is he a starter? Is he a closer? Is he a reliever? I think that guy gives you some options. Houston Harding was leaning towards coming back, and I understand the Angels came in and made a, a nice deal and offered a pretty good career path for him. And so now, you know, he's expected to sign this deal if he hadn't already signed it with the Angels. And, yeah, that, that's a loss. There's no doubt about it because at the very least, you like him coming back as a left-handed guy that could uh, you know, match it by the bullpen or be your Sunday starter. But we got some dudes coming in, guys. I mean, that's the thing is, you know, at Mississippi State, it's not like, well, we've got to just you know, make do of what we got. You know, we got 18 new Mississippi State baseball players coming in. 18. Signed 21. Three of them signed for, to go play pro baseball. We got 18 more coming in. We don't even have 18 spots. Excuse me. Now we got 19. 19. My goodness, is it really 20? Now that I think about it, I don't know that we announced Jess Davis as a signing yet either. So you got Jess Davis coming in, a Golden Glove winner in center field, and then you've got an absolute power source coming in to help you in the middle infield there, and Jaeger. And yeah, there'll be an adjustment. Seeing SEC pitching, don't get me wrong. You also got one of the best coaching staffs in all college baseball doing the, the development. You know, and so I, you know, I think those guys are going to be dudes. I mean, I really do. I think the main thing you miss with these new guys coming in is, you know, they don't have Omaha experience, but thankfully everybody else on your roster does. It's not like it was this year. You know, we're basically, you know, you had Hatcher and you had T.A. and Rowdy that had played in Omaha. And I don't know that Josh had any at-bats in Omaha until this year. Maybe he did in 18. But, uh, you know, my point being is that, you know, this year we had a lot of young talent. We didn't have a lot of postseason experience. Well, now everybody that's coming back has got postseason experience. And, yeah, you've got a new class coming in, but you've also got some guys coming in that can kind of plug and play. And dare I say it, we might be better next year. Does that mean we're going to win a national championship? It absolutely does not. I think Arkansas would probably argue that they were the best team in the country this year. And they were in a regular season, but there's a reason we have a tournament. And that's to go crown an Apple champion. And they were put out of that tournament. And so, yeah, during the regular season, I don't think there's any question Arkansas was the best team. That's why they were the number one seed, and rightfully so. But we could be a better team next year and not win it. Now, it's going to be difficult to replace the clutch gene that you have with T.A. and in some respects Rowdy. Yeah, but T.A. was always that guy. It seemed like late in ball games, you know, the, the lineup just seemed to find him. You know, whether it be walking off Tulane or, you know, walking off Ole Miss or the big home run against Virginia. You know, that's, that's what's difficult to replace. You know, the intangibles. Yeah, and again, I don't think none of, any of us really appreciated how difficult it was to win the College World Series. But we're certainly a team that's capable of getting back to Omaha next year. Most people are projecting that, and we certainly should be. But it's a thing you look at, too. It's like we're not a great team. We're a great program. There are a lot of programs that have, you know, senior-laden, talented teams that make a great run, and then they go back down the chute and have to kind of start over. We're a great program. We routinely recruit at a high level. This is Mississippi State. You got the crown jewel of college baseball sitting out there, that cathedral we call Dirty Noble Field. 
is I discussed it with R.J. Yeager. He says everybody in college baseball knows the Duty Noble Field is just a different animal. And he goes, and the first time I saw it, I fell in love with it. That makes a difference. You got a lot of people out here that are out there, you know, contemplating a college baseball future. And when you have better facilities and player amenities than everybody else, you know, all things aren't equal. Opportunities may be equal as far as playing time, but the quality of the player experience at Mississippi State, in many respects, is unsurpassed. A lot of people out there, and I love the Arkansas Twitter people, and listen, I get it, they're all passionate about their fans, their their program, and their fan base, and their experience, and they should be. It is difficult to go play at Bomb Stadium because of those fans. People say, oh, you know, Bomb's a great stadium. It's really not. It's a great game day atmosphere, but it's not a great stadium. Now, they're fixing to renovate it, and maybe it'll be a great stadium then. But it's not a great stadium. Founders Park at South Carolina, it's a great stadium. Atmosphere, not so much this year. It's a great stadium and a great facility. Ole Miss, really good stadium. I'd venture to say great. Also a great atmosphere. LSU, an incredible atmosphere, not a great stadium anymore. And so when you begin to think about the people we're recruiting against and the facility advantage that we have, you know, the ability to procure talented baseball players capable of winning an NCAA baseball championship is very much sustainable because of the commitment that your university has made to baseball. It's not just about the ghost of the noble field. It's not just about the, you know, the, the mystique of the left field lounge. We had that for decades and couldn't win it. That's one of the things that I go back to. There were so many people that were so totally against us renovating Duty Noble Field. I love Left Field Lounge to this day. I love everything we do. I love the social aspect of Mississippi State baseball. But we needed to mature as a program and really take facilities to a level that had been unsurpassed in all college baseball. We've done that. And now we have a national championship to show for it. You know, for many, many years, you know, we had the, the coolest stadium in all college baseball. We let it get run down a little bit. We did. Well, we've remedied that. And for years, we considered ourselves a national power. Then everybody would say, yo, how many titles you got? No, oh, we ain't got one. Uh. So that kind of stuck in the crawl. It doesn't, it doesn't anymore. Now we're the reigning national champs, and we got about a million T-shirts to prove it, Right. So we'll walk around and we'll feel good about that. But again, I think really, in many respects, this is, you know, basically evidence that we made the right decision to renovate the stadium. You know, we made the right decision to make the financial commitment we have done to baseball. We've got a championship to show for it. I've never had one in a major team sport, as you guys are well aware. Well, now we have one. So it's kind of hard to argue against those decisions. And they were difficult decisions to make at the time. But now with the gift of hindsight, we can say, you know what? We made the right call. We absolutely did. And now you look at the way that we're recruiting, the level at which we're recruiting, and the caliber of players that we are able to sign each and every year. So, yeah, it was the right decision. You say, well, Steve, we were getting great players back then. You're right, we were. But you know what? When you look at these recruiting classes today, 
and the fact that they are so much more competitive and the recruiting atmosphere has changed so much, we are routinely getting better, the best players out of other states and not just our border states or not just in Mississippi. You know, we pick up the Kozar kid, and listen, I, I know the first thing we do, you know, the Kozar kid from North Carolina commits, and, oh, he'll go pro. You don't know that. You got, none of us know that. But I do know this. I know that he is considered the best arm in the state of North Carolina in his class, and he chose Mississippi State. He didn't choose Duke. He didn't choose NC State. didn't choose North Carolina, Wake Forest. He chose Mississippi State. You know, Jackson Fristo, considered one of the top pitchers in the state of Kentucky, decommitted from the University of Kentucky to come to Mississippi State. Rowdy Jordan grew up an Auburn fan, lived in Auburn, Alabama, and he came to Mississippi State. So you start running it back and you start looking at these things. You know, listen, we built a program in many respects on the great players in the state of Mississippi and our border states. A lot of it out there in West Tennessee, over in the state of Alabama. We go get those guys too. It's a different day and time. And I give Ron Polk a lot of credit for that. Ron made Mississippi State a national brand, not just in you know TV exposure, but in recruiting. You know, Ron didn't have a wife and kids at home, so he, he would just stay on the road as much as the NCAA would allow him. Work his network of coaches and get names of players. You know, if I've discussed here before, you know, it's just like, you know, Castoria is from New York. Mike Kelly was from Chicago. You look at what we've done over the years down in the state of Florida. You go out and get Rafael Palmero from Miami. And Miami had won the national championship the year before. And we went to Miami and got the best guy down there. And why? Because he could play here. Ron Frazier was talking about red shirt and Polk. He says, you know what? I'll give you a chance to play. You come up here and, and you earn it, you'll play. What does he do in his first at bat? Hits a home run. Yeah, that's what he does. And so, in many respects, we, we've kind of gotten back to that where we had this national exposure because of the stadium and now because of the championship and because of the fan support. You know, we, we've always been able to kind of puff our chest up a little bit when it comes to baseball, but never quite like this. And I think it's something to get excited about. I think all of you should be overjoyed about the direction of this program and the fact that we can go out there and get somebody else's starting shortstop that's willing to come here and play second if that's what it requires because he wants to be a part of our baseball program and a chance to go to Omaha and compete for a national championship. It's pretty impressive. Wasn't always like that. You know, a lot of times we'd go get a guy that uh, you know perhaps was uh, you know just a guy looking for more playing time. And we'd go defend that. You know, it's well, you know, he got behind this guy, and you know, the best guys play. You know, and we don't at Mississippi State. We don't have to take anybody second teamer when it comes to baseball. We just don't. And so you've got a guy that goes in the portal. That's got uh, you know a ton of Division One starts at shortstop. 197, 197 games. A guy that has handled. Uh, the baseball 521 times in college in his college career is not headed to Mississippi State. This is a guy that's an MLB draft guy. He said, you know what, I, I, I'm going to leave Mercer, a place where I've developed a lot of great friends and had a great career, but I want a chance to go to Omaha. I want a chance to boost my professional stock, but also to have an incredible college experience with this free year I've been gifted 
by the NCAA due to the COVID situation. So he's coming here. He's coming here. And I, I apologize for the taunts. It's all these people that send me this stuff. Facebook sometimes is the bane of my existence. But, um, but I, I just say these things. I think it's important for us to fully appreciate where we are and where we are headed as a program. Winning the national championship was not the destination. It was part of the journey. And now it's time for us to kind of, kind of go show who and what we are now that we're over the hump. I've said for years and years and years, getting the first one, I think, opens the door for us to kind of go on a run here. I'm not saying we're fixing to stack up a bunch of trophies. It'd be great if we did. But I think now that we've done it, we've got that monkey off our back. I think now we have an opportunity to really go out there and compete regularly. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members and you can see who's kind of coming and going. Got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. You got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months, and you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step -step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. 
In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. For this thing. So don't sit around moping and being, you know, being the the, uh, the self-loathing Mississippi State fan. It's like, well, we've only had one in my whole lifetime. It's good enough. It's a new day and time. You know, I had a discussion yesterday with another friend in the media. That's one of the things we talked about. You know, it's like we talk about all the people we wish to have lived to have seen this. You know, I, I remember, you know, a time in my lifetime in Mississippi State history, we just wanted to kind of keep it close, you know. We didn't always expect to win. We just didn't want to get embarrassed. And then in hindsight, I'd say that's embarrassing. There's a new generation of Mississippi State folks who just simply expect more. They're getting more. That's not to suggest that uh, previous generations didn't want to win. They absolutely did. We just didn't always have the resources we have today. We didn't have the leadership we have today. We didn't have the fan support we have today. And so it's been this perfect storm, and I think what we're really seeing is Mississippi State Athletics has really begun to mature in this generation. You saw what we did with the Dan Mullen era. You know, you're seeing what we're doing in baseball. And as great as the 80s were, we left a lot of money on the table. You guys know this. As great as the 90s were, we left a lot of money on the table. The 2000s weren't so good. They just weren't. One of the uh, one of those decades for us that um, you know we, we kind of recognized we needed to make some changes. We've made them. Now we're benefiting from them. All right, today's top ten list brought to you by JohnnyPacker.com. You can go to JohnnyPacker.com right here today. Order your sunglasses and have them very very quickly. They turn around. It's very very quick. Even if you go there and you say, "Hey, Steve, the frames that I want are sold out." Doesn't matter. Send them an email, tell them you want those frames and get them on order for you because what's happened is the demand that you guys have put together has been incredible. And so, like, they'll get some glasses in and, like, hey, we got to replenish the supply. And as soon as they get it in, they're sold. And so, they'll just add you to that badge. Visit them today, johnnypacker.com. All those sunglasses are named with frames from Mississippi Towns. Really cool thing, right? Really a cool thing. Got some Omaha frames coming up, too. That's not a Mississippi town, but it's one that uh, we love, right? A portion of each purchase, the proceeds of each purchase, donated directly to, to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Of course, uh, John Packer himself has suffered with that affliction his entire life. Now he's trying to make other people's lives better. It's pretty cool. You can buy some great sunglasses at a great price, and a portion of those proceeds go towards a great cause. And also, I'm a firm believer in doing business with Bulldogs. They want to do business with you, too, which is why they've given me a promo code, which is Boneyard. allows you Bulldog fans to save 10% off your purchase. So, a great thing. Great glasses. You get, it, you get the Ken Folks discount, and then part of your money goes to aid in the uh, suffering of other people that are uh, you know, fighting to live. It's a cool thing. Again, that's johnnypacker.com, promo code Boneyard, today's sponsored top 10 list. So I would say we were going to do Wednesday country. We're going to do crunching on Friday. 
because I've been on a Lillian Axe kick since seeing the show. I wrote a big Facebook post out yesterday. Guys, Stevie Blaze has been one of those people that uh, I have really admired for many years. Stevie Blaze, of course, the lead guitar player and the leader of Lillian Axe. Met him for the first time when I was just a teenager uh, living in Canton, Mississippi. Living that summer in Canton and uh, happened to be at North Park Mall and I run into Stevie Blaze and uh, visit with him. He invites me to a show. Turns out to be my birthday. He put me on the guest list and he came through. I went. It was a great time and I felt kind of accepted, I guess, by those guys. And uh, seen him several times and uh, you know traded some messages with Stevie over the years. And uh, as I've shared you know, on Facebook too, it's like you know when Stevie made it, it was kind of like we made it too, you know, because he was one of us. Kind of how it felt. And uh, still out there doing it at a high level, man. Saw him Sunday at Howlin' Miles. And listen, Howlin' Miles, such a great venue, man. They're bringing some great shows to town, too. I was, I was going to try to get there on Thursday for the John Karabi show because I've never seen John sing. I saw him when he was the rhythm, gu- rhythm guitar player for Rat when he uh, took Robin Crosby's spot in the band. And, and then I was, I've was i been a Karabi fan since he was with the Scream, but I'm not going to be able to make it. I've actually got dinner plans on Thursday. I wanted to get back down there and see that, but they've got you know, Adelita's Way is coming up. Uh, Tommy Vex, the uh, former singer of Bad Wolves, is going to be there. Uh, Steel Panther is going to be there. They've got some cool shows coming to Howl Mouse, and that is a great venue. If you've never been, you don't know what you're missing. A lot of people say, well, Steve, they don't do live music in Jackson anymore. Well, you're wrong. There's great live music at Howlin' Mouse, and that's an unsolicited endorsement there. I, I plan to be down there a lot here in the uh, coming months. They got a cool show I'm coming. So had a chance to visit with Stevie on Sunday. Clay Edwards and I interviewed him for the show, for Clay's show. And such a down-to-earth guy, man, so grateful and appreciative for the friends that have followed Lillian all these many years. So here is the top ten Lillian Act songs for me. And that's the thing, too, is because some of these are deeper cuts, so you might not be as familiar. And that's the thing about this fan base for Lillian Axe is that there are some people that really, really think that the later albums are the better albums. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not as well-versed in them as I am the earlier ones because, you know, I just I, I stay so busy and I, I need to just kind of commit myself to listening to those albums in rotation for a while. But uh, many of these come from the first four albums, which is a great time. It's a great time. So I didn't have no matter what, you know, that is a bad finger cover. That's off Poetic Justice, which is really, really cool. And uh, there are a few others that I really struggle with, but, uh, but this is my top 10. So I'm going to give it to you. Top 10 Lillian Axe songs. And Lillian Axe is nobody, really. He just, he, for some reason, when he changed the name of the band from Oz, he said he wanted, he, they saw the, um, saw Creepshow and, there was some scene in there that kind of got to him, you know, this woman with an axe or whatever. And the next thing you know, an old lady with an axe became Lillian Axe. I think it works well. So number 10, the lead track on the third album, Poetic Justice, is a track called Innocence. Listen, this has got everything you came for, right? It's got, you know, squeaking, squeaking guitars or screeching guitars. Pardon me if I can get it out. Uh, great lyrics, good rhythm. It's very, very... In many respects, kind of typical of the genre at the time. I love that track, though. And then actually, the Poetic Justice is kind of like a keyboard instrumental that leads into it. It's probably the way to do it. Number nine, going back to the first one, a self-titled album with MCA, is Hard Luck. They still play this live. It still absolutely slaps. I love it. 
Number eight, a great ballad, uh, The Day I Met You. This is kind of like, you know what, this is a, a love song in many respects. And uh, vocals on it are really good, too. And, and Lillian's had four lead singers, but uh, really a great job on this track. And, you, you know, lyrically, it's it's phenomenal. It's basically, it's making somebody feel special. It's like if I was only given one day in my life to live over again, it'd be the day that I met you, which I think is is a beautiful sentiment. Number seven, the first real power ballad for them and it's not a love song in that respect. Like a lot of them, you know, that was kind of how things worked in in the genre for a while. It's okay, let's put out kind of like a decent rock song and we'll come back with a power ballad and then we'll come back out with a better rock song. That was kind of the pattern. But nobody knows is uh is a great a great song that is just a little slower tempo. And it's about basically, you know, it's about like the chorus says, nobody knows when you're down and out. It's like when you're dealing with all this stuff by yourself, you know, it's easy to feel isolated and alone in the world. And the song is basically telling you that you're not. You're not. That We all deal with this. Number six, this one goes back a few years too. It's Dream of a Lifetime. I believe that's the first Lillian song I ever heard on the radio. I believe that's the, the correct order that things went. I absolutely dig the track. I think you guys will as well. You know, I'll be honest with you. Every song on his first couple albums, I, I just can't, I can't criticize them at all. I absolutely loved everything that they did on his first couple albums. And to me, it just made absolutely no sense that they didn't have you know, greater commercial success. It's just one of those deals where, you know, there were so many bands out there. I, I didn't think that Lillian was a flash in the pan. I thought they had some stay in power, and they're still playing, obviously, thirty something years later. But I just don't know that the record company supported them the way that they should have. There were so many other people out there that don't have near the talent that, uh, you know, Ron Taylor and Stevie Blaze and John Stern and those guys had, but uh, certainly sold more records, and a lot of it had to do with MTV. Number five, and Stevie says this is probably the quintessential Lillian Axe song. I really like it a lot, and it's off the, uh, the Love and War album. It's the second album. I don't like it as much as some other people do. I love the song, but there are some other ones that I just I love more. But it's Ghosts of Winter. And uh, I know a lot of people, listen them when they play this live, it's the singer doesn't even have to, to plug in because the crowd is singing it. And uh, I love the extended version they do live. It is tremendous. But, um, again, that's off Love and War. And in many respects, I might say that's my favorite Lillian album. I love the first two the most. Poetic Justice is really good, too. Um, but I would say Love and War is probably my favorite one. Uh, number four, this one's actually off Poetic Justice. And uh, it's True Believer. And it's one of those, it's a very radio-friendly song in many respects. And I love the vocal on it. I think you guys will as well. If, if you, you may have seen this on MTV. It got heavy rotation on MTV. All right, so... Number three, going back again, and let me back up a second here too. The um, the song "The Day I Met You" is actually let me let me look here for a second. Yeah, it's on the fourth album, "Psycho Schizophrenia." That's the fourth album. So Ron Taylor had already moved on by then. Okay, so let's get back to uh, number four, being "True Believer" off "Poetic Justice." Number three, this again goes back. This is on the Love and War album, and this was all over MTV for a while. But it's Show a Little Love, and it's got the big 80s chorus. It's got the great guitar solo on it. 
I love the tone of the guitar on this track. I think it's one of those tracks, too, that everybody has probably heard and maybe didn't know who sang it. It was Lillian Axe. Number two, and I don't know that this song got the airplay that it probably deserved, but it is the lead track on album two, Love and War. It has this incredible keyboard intro and there's speaking parts and everything as the bass drums and all kind of come in and and uh it's there was a lot of that too you know like as we got towards the end of the 80s you know like the intro was like a big part of it like setting up the song like so you had like the radio edit and then you had the album version and so the radio version of this one was a little bit different but i think it plays better in its entirety but it's all fair and love and war and I think this might be Ron Taylor's vocal masterpiece, to be quite honest with you. I think that his work on this track is incredible. But number one for me, and I suspect it always will be, I said in my Facebook post that uh, you know the end of this song on the cassette tape that I had, because I've had this on cassette and then and CD and now digital and everything else, but um, the last couple of bars the tape thinned out because as soon as the song was over i'd hit rewind that sounds so crazy nowadays i'm really dating myself but and so the tape got thinned out there but the track is misery loves company it is such a great it it still stands up you put it on right now and it sounds like stuff you hear on the radio today it is it is a phenomenal track i think that that is that is the lillian act song i don't think there's any question it's one of those things too. As soon as I hear it, as soon as I hear Stevie hit those opening, uh, you know, bars, I just think to myself, it's like, you know, this, this is like being 15 again. You know, for a while, I, I can forget about all the stuff I got to do. I can forget about all the places I got to go and all the people that are pulling on me. And just for a while, for a little while, I can kind of reconnect with my tribe, and uh, you know, kind of get some nourishment in many respects. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of let the mind rest a little bit and just kind of enjoy. And there's so many people when I go to Jackson. I see like the same group of people and I'll be honest with you I don't remember many of their names but it's like every time I go it's like they're always glad that I came they're happy to hang out and then I don't see them again to another show but it's like they're there are these friends this circle of friends that I always see at Jackson shows and then uh, they just take me in and, and make me feel so welcome and and uh, it's I'm so appreciative for that so we had a lot of that on Sunday it's a cool thing. Again, at Howlin' Mouth, it's a great show. So that's your top 10 Lillian Axe tracks. You may not expect to hear that today. We'll do country on Friday. I figure out who we're going to do. we got about 15 artists to pull from. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out let me know. And if, you don't, if you're not down with the Axe, you're not down with me. Listen to Lillian Axe. Give those guys a shot. Uh, you know, and, and listen, I'm a firm believer in representing those, those, uh, those that have kind of been down for me all these years and have been really cool to me. And I don't know that there's anybody that I that I'm a bigger fan of uh, that has spent some time in Mississippi as a musician than than uh, Stevie Blaze and Lillian Axe. He is an absolutely wonderful guy and uh, deserves all the success that he can have. They're working on a new album now, and there's a documentary coming out, and all that stuff's going to be amazing. And uh, you know, I'm hoping that uh, there's an, a resurgence and a revival of sorts uh, in Lillian Axe, and you can be a part of that. So go check them out today, Lillian Axe. Next segment of the show brought to you by CloseTheBlair.com. Many of you were thinking, you know what, Steve, i got to go buy a house, or I need to buy a house, or I've always wanted to buy a house. I just don't know how to go about it. Or I don't want to deal with that again. It is very much a stressful process, I, I will admit. It just absolutely drives me crazy every time that I've had to do it. 
it's just oh my gosh it just it stresses me out to no end because it's like there's this long tedious process and you think you've got everything figured out and then all of a sudden all of a sudden they give you uh oh we need a note from your mom and we need a you know uh, you you're you, you didn't turn in your fourth grade progress report you know it's there's no end to what those underwriters want and so it's important, I think, to have somebody to help you navigate through that process. There's nobody better than Blair Chandler. Go to closewithblair.com. That's B-L-A-I-R, closewithblair.com, and he'll help navigate you through the process. And Blair's not just some fly-by-night guy that's working at some subprime lender, you know, just trying going to run a bunch of fees on you. This guy's a mortgage professional with 21 years of experience that works at Fairway Mortgage, one of the top five mortgage companies in the country. And you know what? Blair's in the top 1%, right? This is a winner that has been with a winner for a long time, and he knows how to help you win too. Give Blair a call today, 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. Listen, there's no point stressing about the mortgage process when you've got an experienced person at your disposal. And, you know, this is a guy, too, that's a bulldog, keeps a place here, has season tickets here. And so, again, I'm a proponent of doing business with Bulldogs whenever possible. I would choose Blair anyway. Not only because he's my friend, but this is a guy. I like to have people that handle things that I don't want to do. And that's kind of what Blair will do for you. You get him your documents, and then he takes care of everything else. And instead of you sitting around stressing and worrying about it, he's kind of your man on the inside. Have you guys seen this uh, deal with Deion Sanders and Nick Suss from the Clarion Ledger? Maybe you've seen the video. It's out there. And it kind of got, to be honest with you, it kind of got packaged in a way that it made it seem a little more dramatic than it was. They made it seem like that uh, Deion Sanders stormed out of SWAC media days because somebody called him by his first name. I didn't know that it was Nick Suss until I saw the video. But basically the way the SWAC is doing it is, you know, you have um, a Zoom call set up with, you know, with different media people and the coaches just kind of rotate. So basically he ended the call uh, you know, early with Nick, and uh, Nick addressed him as Dion. And what's interesting too is that Dion Sanders, and I think that's how we all know him. It's prime time or Dion Sanders. I would probably struggle to call him coach too, just because it's a different context for me. And that's in no way disrespectful because I, I do my best to call every coach coach. I, I really do. But it was kind of an awkward interchange there because Dion says, "Okay, yeah, let's let's sit down and talk to Nick. Nick's a good guy," and then, and so. Then Nick calls him Dion, and he goes, oh, wait a minute now. You, you wouldn't call Nick Saban Nick, but everybody does call Nick Saban Nick for the most part. And um, it was just kind of an awkward exchange in many respects that ended uh, with Sanders getting up and walking away. You know, I think there's really kind of fault on both sides. But, uh, you know, once he expressed his discontent with being addressed by his first name, you know, he basically said, hey, you, you call Nick Saban, Coach Saban, you know, you, you call me Coach, I think he said Coach Prime or whatever. And then Nick Suss doubled down and called him Dion again, so he got up and ended the call. It's almost like you're asking for trouble. And I think it's just one of those things, too. I don't know if people saw this as a publicity stunt. I, I don't believe that's the case. I, I don't – what do you gain from it? Oh, well, everybody's talking about him. So, what does that do? These people can go buy season tickets? No. No, that's not going to happen. People are just going to retweet the video and laugh. And so I don't think this is orchestrated by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just one of those awkward moments to it. I think, you know, I guess it's my attitude is this. It's that I do my best to call every coach coach just because I think there is a certain level of respect that goes with that. Now, 
when I'm in a social setting, I never call Dan Mullen coach. For some reason, I always call Tony Hughes coach. And I guess it's not true. But most of the time I call him coach. And maybe it's because he's my elder, you know. But um, I just thought the whole thing was rather interesting. And I know a lot of people are kind of blaming Nick Suss and saying he was being disrespectful. I don't know that I agree with that. Um, I do know that if somebody had told me that they wanted me to address them a certain way, unless it was just something ridiculous, like somebody said, call him emperor or whatever, um, I, you know, I would just kind of oblige them. You know, hey, if he wants to be called coach, I'm going to call him coach. I know the whole thing out there is like, you know, his mama named him Dion, I'm going to call him Dion. Well, you know, in his position, if he has given me the courtesy of an interview and he wants to be addressed a certain way, I'm going to try to do that. You know, and, uh, you know, maybe that's just kind of how I'm a little bit different than other people. But I, I don't agree with how this is being kind of painted up where Nick looks like the villain. But it's just another part of media days. You know, it's like you know, there's always some story. There's always some exchange or something silly that happens. And, uh, you know, it's just something else to talk about. You know, it's a silly season part of the year. But, uh, you know, I, I'm eager to kind of hear what Mike Leach has to say, but there were some things that were kind of shared earlier this week that uh, I thought was rather interesting because much of it wasn't true. And uh, I hate to call people out, but at the same time, I don't mind calling people out when they do stuff that's just kind of silly. And that's what happened. Uh, Jordy Collada is a guy that uh, does radio there in Baton Rouge. And let me call up uh, the tweet here, and we'll just kind of read that uh, together. But, uh, you know, Jordy, again, this is a guy – listen, listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not taking a personal shot at Jody, but he, he absolutely did not understand this correctly or transcribe this correctly or whatever. And uh, it, you know, caused a bit of a stir, but not in the right way. Not in the right way. And so let me just run this down here. Let's, let's just read this for you guys as well. Uh, just because it was when Ed Orzron – spoke and there are several tweets here you know about coach ed orgeron and um a lot of people don't like them but um here's one of the things too that Ed orgeron people asked about uh about the lawsuits with ed orgeron and about lsu he goes that's something i'm not going to comment on at all but thanks for asking you know and of course we all know we all know that you know they can't discuss anything involving litigation, but I thought the whole thing was rather interesting. Um, that you know, it's it's a it's a no comment as it should be, but uh, the look on Ed's face was not very um, not very welcoming, shall we say? He he was a little chilly, you know. <laughs> Thanks for asking, though. Thanks for asking. You know, you know, he didn't mean that. So let me find this Mississippi State comment here, and. Uh, who knows, man? It may have, it may have gone back and and um, and deleted it. I don't know because I, I kind of called him out a little bit on the deal for sure, just because I think that the whole thing was just kind of silly. Okay, so here is what here's the quote that Jordy attributed to Ed Orgeron: "Being the first SEC road game will stop his offense. We didn't do a good job with it last year. The cowbells and all that noise playing there. It's a great SEC game, but it's a game we're going to win. That is not at all what he said. That's what Jordy tweeted out, but it's not what he said. And uh, this is the kind of thing that, in many respects, you know, it kind of irritates me a little bit. And again, Jordy just happened to be the guy that did it this time. You know, you, you take these." you know, sound bites and try to piece them together, but he didn't say any of these things. 
the actual quote, and I'll give credit to our good friends over at Go247, that's G-E-A-U-X-247, Sunny Ship, Shay, Bill Embody, the whole crew over there. So here's what he actually said. We have to stop his offense. We didn't stop it one time, and he kind of laughed as he said it. Obviously, he came in with the air raid for the first time. We had seen it before, obviously, but we didn't do a good job with it. Then we saw people did some good things against us, and I think he meant against it, as in people dropping eight. The more stuff you put on tape, the more we learn how to stop it. Obviously, going to play there, I think Mississippi State does a great job playing there, the cowbells and all that noise. It's our first SEC game. It's a game that we must win to get to where we want to go. He didn't say we're going to win that game. This is the SEC. You've got to be ready every Saturday. But you know what? Instead of when you ask me about that, instead of worrying about all that stuff, my focus is going to be getting on camp and this football team and getting them better starting August 6th. And so I say that, again, not to throw any shot at Jordy, even listen, obviously, either he misheard or just misinterpreted. I don't know. Um, But there's going to be a lot of things that come out of the media days because a lot of people are trying to tweet in a hurry and be first and that sort of stuff. And it doesn't matter. It, it, it simply does not matter. And I think it's important to kind of understand that, you know, when, when all there's some people out there that are trying to generate clicks and so they're going to write things that are provocative and they're going to have headlines that suggest certain things, and none of that matters. None of it matters. Pre, preseason polls don't matter. SEC media predictions for the standing in the West doesn't matter. Not going to change anything. It's just people's opinions. But when we go out here and we falsely attribute quotes to people, it's a different deal entirely. It's completely different. And so I think it's important to kind of address those things. And, again, I think Jordy's a good guy. I don't know why he did what he did. Maybe Again, maybe he just misheard it. But um, it, got, it drew a lot of attention, shall we say. But I don't, I don't think it – I don't think it's fair that Orr's run either. I mean, they've got enough going on without somebody out here tweeting, you know, something like that to suggest that uh, things are different than they really are. And looking at the uh, the responses here, <laughs> somebody responded, how do you even have a show? That's not even similar to what he said. And somebody else says, wait until he finds out the drop eight zone won't work this offense this, once this offense is fully installed. Well, I, I hope so. Somebody else says, my man, that's not what he said at all. That's how you get a credential pulled. <laughs> and somebody else comes through. It's, it's again, you know, it's just, you know, people being silly here. People put the actual quotes out there. I saw Reed Garrett you know, kind of copies and pastes and puts it out there. It's just one of those things that, I don't know. Yeah, Twitter, Twitter isn't for everybody. You know, I'm a firm believer in that. There are a lot, a lot of times people put things out there that aren't correct. But, um, you know, when I make those mistakes, I try to remedy them as best I can. But uh, I know some people have, were expecting some fireworks, um, you know, from media day so far. They haven't really been any. I guess the biggest thing right now is, you know, Bryce Young. Uh, you know, Bryce Young's million dollars worth of name, image, and likeness legislation is probably the biggest bombshell of the week so far. And then we'll see what uh, Mike Leach has to say later today. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by CampusBookmart.net. Campus Bookmart, a great place to do business 
If you are unfamiliar, you need to familiarize yourself. You need to get in the know as Campus Bookmart is the place to go buy Mississippi State merch. If you can't make it to town and see the lovely and talented Susie and Stan and Miss Kathy Brown, the whole crew, they're shy and everybody. You can visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we're going to save you some money. We are. We're going to save you shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And you think that's a joke. It is it is not. It, it does stand for Beautiful Steve Robertson. When you put the code in, it's going to pop up and tell you that. And you're going to think of me and smile. Free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Get all the national championship gear you can get. And listen, please be patient, too. Not just with Camus Bookmark, but everybody. Our star governors are doing the best they can. There's a lot of people out there that uh, you've had to reorder and replenish their inventory to fill your orders. And, and there's been a backlog in that, too. It's all going to work out. And I know it gets frustrating because you're so eager to have your stuff. I'm the same way. It's like I, I go order something from Amazon, and then, like, I'm standing at the end of the driveway by the end of the afternoon, like, where's my stuff? You know, I, I get it. And, uh, I listen, I'm part of this instant gratification generation, too. But in this situation with all that's going on, just show, please show a little patience. It'll be good for you, me, and everybody involved. And, listen, they, don't, they, don't, they want to do a good job for you. They do. So, again, Campus Bookmart, the absolute best place to go to get Mississippi State merch. Let's talk a little bit about yesterday's SEC Media Day a little bit longer. You know, let me go back to, to Greg Sankey. There was a couple things that he said that I thought you guys would find of interest. He was asked about the drug policy of the Southeastern Conference. You know, Basically, it's set by the schools now. So if you run afoul of the drug policy at Mississippi State, you're gone. There's some other schools that are a lot more lax. And so he, Sankey was asked about that. Is that, you know, do you think there's a recruiting advantage because there's no uniform drug policy in the league? And uh, so, you know, here's the deal. We have not gone back into conversation about it. Our member universities have felt it appropriate to allow each campus to make its own decisions around drug policy. Our universities have policies that extend even beyond our athletics program. So it's not been a point of conversation. I think maybe it should be. You know, and, of course, it'll be up to the league presidents to bring that up. But, you know, if, if you are a school that perhaps is, uh, you know, a little more lax with that, you know, you, you don't want all of a sudden the SEC changing your policy. But I, to be honest with you, I think there should probably be a uniform policy nationally about drugs, period. You know, maybe I'm in the minority there. And, and listen, I, I, obviously I used them recreationally years ago, but you know, my point being is that, uh, you know, when you've got student athletes out here that are putting themselves at risk, there needs to be some type of programs in place to ensure that they get the help that they need if there's a problem. And so, you know, there are a lot of people out there that say, hey, you know what, no harm, no foul, as long as they can protect themselves, I believe in personal freedom. I, I, I do too, uh, to a certain extent, but I also know the damage that can be done if this is not monitored. And so that's my personal feelings about it. You may disagree. We've talked a lot about name, image, and likeness at the beginning of the show. But, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, that, was, that he was asked about is with, with all the changes in college athletics with the national, uh, the name, image, and likeness legislation, player transfer, whatever, college commissioners say five years ago, particularly Power Five Conference, and splitting off in their own country, so to speak. So this is about defecting from the Power Five from the NCAA which is a question that I guess Sankey will probably get every year until he retires. 
And he says, I don't know where. Well, I guess I was commissioner five years ago. It's been a long time. You try to give me a day off and then throw that one on me on social media. That's not our focus. I went through a list of observations that aren't just NCAA-related. They are college athletics-related. That's actually us. And some ideas, in fact, ideas that I've had actually don't resolve issues. They just linger. So are we closer? Not in my imagination. I do think we all have to be mindful of the reality in front of us. And I noted when President Emmerich spoke about the need for change and reimagining the national office role, the conference role, and the campus role, that doesn't speak to, our, to your question, but it does speak to what we're going to have to, to administer this differently. So basically, what you hear from that is, is that no, at this point, the Power Five is not looking to break off from the NCAA. That's how I interpret that to be. You, you may see it a little bit differently, but that's not how I see it. And those are a couple of big things that I think uh, that a lot of people have uh, you know, probably been thinking about. Because every time there's an issue that pops up with NCAA, there are people that say, oh, well, this is it. This is the death knell uh, for them. I want to go back, too, to some comments that Dan Mullen made. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. You know, Dan comes out. Dan spent a lot of time here. he got a lot of friends here still. Uh, I say friends, probably just more so acquaintances. But, uh, you know, in his opening statement, you know, he made a comment just about, uh, you know, just about Mississippi State, you know. And he says, um, he talks about Tempe Lightning winning the Stanley Club and the energy in the stadium. You realize how much you missed that. Even getting to watch the College World Series in Omaha, seeing basically the entire state of Mississippi move to Omaha to cheer on Mississippi State and have them win the NAFL championship for the Southeastern Conference and for Mississippi State and people of Mississippi Winning that NAFL championship was amazing. and that, so, so thanks, Dan. It's very nice of you to do. I mean, And it doesn't add to or diminish the, uh, the situation in any way whatsoever. But uh, it's still, I thought it was a pretty cool comment. thought uh, it's the least he could do, get up there and say a few things nice about us. So uh, let's skip into yesterday a little bit, too. I know a lot of you guys were expecting, you know, uh, Lane Kiffin to get up and, and perhaps say some things that were inflammatory. I, I didn't see any of that. You know, some of the guys that cover Ole Miss tell me that he's really kind of introverted. You know, he, he like he acts and looks a certain way, like on social media, but he's just not really like that, you know, um, in person. You know, I, I don't know if it perhaps, uh, you know, he's just grown and matured a little bit or whatever, but uh, you know, I just didn't hear or see anything, you know, about Mississippi State yesterday that would make, you know, that would cause any headlines. And you know people were waiting for it. You know what I'm saying? There's some people out there that I'm sure were saying – you know, hey, he'll he'll say some he'll drop some zinger about leech or something, and you just didn't get that. You just you just didn't get it. So you know, I don't know. Maybe if we're just seeing, uh, you know, a more mature Lane Kiffin or not, or maybe he's just confident because he feel like he has a good team coming back. Offense where they should be still very good. Um, one thing he did kind of belabor the point too was about Bryce Young. He was asked about Jerry and Ely's shoulder surgery. You remember he did miss some time willing to play baseball. And so the guy asks the question, says, what's his status? And Lane says, I'm still blown away on this Bryce Young. The guy's made a million dollars already. That's good, man. We don't need to play next We don't need to play next year against us then. I mean, that's mind-blowing. Then he comes back and answers the question and said, hey, he's fine. We're working with the team, whatever. I think that kind of stuff's interesting, you know, because it's like, again, you hear that number. You hear that number, a million dollars for a college athlete. And, you know, none of us will ever see that number. Very few of us will ever see that number. And you think this is a guy that's never started a game. It's going to be raking in that kind of coin. I do think it's interesting, too, that um, somebody made a comment about him losing some weight, which is difficult to do in Mississippi, I might add. Everything is fried with gravy on it. And I made a comment, strange question to ask a guy, but whatever. 
You're being negative about Mississippi food. I'm being positive. It's a Mississippi diet. I can't in Mississippi embrace the food, just not a lot of it. Have some portion control. So that's not really what the diet was. I'm going to be positive about food in Mississippi. So, again, thanks, Lane. Appreciate you and Dan for some uh, kind comments about our state. It's, uh, it's one of those things, too, that, uh, you know, when everybody has their day up there, you never know what's coming, question-wise. It's just, it's just kind of silly. You know, there's a lot of people at SEC Media Days, quite frankly, don't need to be there. I know they want to keep it open and credential a bunch of people, but, uh, you know, I, I've heard some very outlandish questions over the years, and maybe that's why people ask them. And maybe people ask those questions just to try to get, you know, a response, try to go viral or whatever. But, uh, you know, again, I just – I haven't heard anything outside of, you know, the whole situation with, uh, with the, the fake Orgeron quote that has really raised any eyebrows. Maybe that changes today you know, when Mike Leach is up there, you know, because, again, there are going to be people that are going to be – looking to you know to trap mike and mike's a smart guy he he usually doesn't fall for it but if it's something he's passionate about he's happy to talk about it so we'll kind of watch that unfold here in the days to come uh, and just kind of see what happens in in the next couple hours and um you know i'm eager to see what he's got to say he takes the stand at 230 many of you have already probably seen what he's had to say by the time the show uh is 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 on in on your your phone but um Again, it's just kind of been boring so far, and I kind of like it that way. You know, I don't need uh, you know, people to get up there and say things that are inflammatory about Mississippi State. You know, just about everything that anybody said has been, you know, pretty benign at this point. But, again, we'll see what happens today. There, just, there hasn't been much drama at Media Days, and I think people are just really kind of grateful to have it since we didn't even do it virtually last year. And I used to wonder why we didn't do that, but I think maybe in hindsight it was the best decision. There was just so many unknowns at the time. We just didn't know what was going on. And so I think Greg Sankey made the right decision. We didn't have media days, and, and to be different if we had just done the local media stuff. But, you know, I think with all the, 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 the protocols that have been put in place and, and the vaccination situation that was still kind of unfolding, you know, it's probably best just to protect the student athletes and the coaches in many respects from, from those questions just because people get tied into those quotes and you know it's going to come back up later. And, and uh, listen, that we didn't even know we were going to have a season. You know, we were hopeful. You know, Greg Sankey and I had chances to visit with uh, Commissioner Sankey out in, in Omaha, and I told him, I said, I, I, listen, I just want to say thanks for saving college football last year. I said, I know all you, all you ever hear are the complaints, and he kind of laughed, and he goes, yeah, you, you never get the compliments. And I think that's a shame too. But, you know, Greg Sankey's leadership was probably never more important than it was last year. There were so many people, and I remember people in our industry were all doom and gloom. This is it. You had a Big Ten, Pac-12, and cancel football. And Greg Sankey and the ACC said, you know what? No, nah, we're not going to do that. And then they got with the Big 12, and I said, yeah, we're going we're gonna to play. And then what happens, eventually just about everybody comes back around to play. And, and a lot of it, again, boils down to Greg Sankey, Greg Sankey being a great leader. So I think it's important, too, that we kind of recognize those things. There's so many times that come up and things don't go our way, and it's so easy to complain and gripe and, and you know, kind of be, you know, unpacified babies about the thing. But, you know, when something does go right, I think, it's, I think it's appropriate to say, you know what, Greg Sankey did a great job, and I think history will be very kind to Greg Sankey when we look back at this period of time and say, you know what, despite the fact that our nation was going through, our planet was going through something relatively unprecedented in our lifetimes, that we still had the enjoyment of college football. We were able to crown a national champion. And I think Greg Sankey deserves a lot of credit for that. All right, listen, Portico, a lot of those people that are moving to Starkville are, are unsure where to go. 
and say, you know, Steve, I just want to be close to campus. That's easy to do. Absolutely easy to do because our friends at Portico, they can get you taken care of. Very easy to get to, but also to not necessarily out there, you know, on the major thoroughfares where you're going to have to kind of worry and wonder, you know, about your dog wandering off a little bit, you know. But we're 1.1 mile from campus. When you turn off of 82 onto 12, the very first ride is Pat Station Road. You cross over all West Point Road, which is basically uh, maybe a quarter mile right there. Portico is right there. You go check it out today. Go, go and tour the place, see what you think. Hire a real estate agent, but here's the deal. If you want a two-bedroom, two-bath, four-bedroom, four-bath, whether it be an investment property, whether it be an Airbnb for you, whether it be your primary residence, or maybe just your second home, coming your home away from home, they've got options for you. Call Brooks Bryan today. Down to this one to two houses left in phase one. Phase two, construction getting underway. It's a great place. You can run to campus. If you're, if you're a physically fit person and you want to get out and go run, you can go run to campus and go run around the Chapel of Memories if you want to. You can get all that stuff done. Call Brooks today at 601-416-8075. Again, at 601-416-8075. Great people. And I've said before, guys, if I was moving to Starkville now, that's where I would go. I'd want to be close to campus. I'd want to be close to that side of town. I'd want to be close to 82, you know, so I can kind of get in on it again when it's time to go and hit the road to go cover the Bulldogs. I got easy access to 82 right there, which is great. And then, you know, you know, I jump out there on the bypass. I'm on 25. So I can get where I need to get without necessarily having to navigate through town or navigate 12 when things are really busy. I think that is an incredible feature and benefit for you by being a homeowner at Portico. Go check it out again called Brooks Bryan to get all that information. So men's basketball has released their non-conference schedule. You may have seen it. So, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a non-conference schedule. You know, we're going we're gonna to have a, you know, a couple of these games are going to be decent too, for sure. And uh, so we open up November 10th. That'll be here before you know it. Just over 100 days, right? Uh, we'll, North Alabama will come in here. The Lions will come visit us. And then that Saturday, we got Montana coming in. The Grizzlies, I guess. That's right. Then Detroit Mercy, you're on your own with that nickname. They come in Wednesday the 17th. Moorhead State, Sunday, November 21st. And then we're going to hit the road. We're in one of these uh, preseason tournaments. They have not made the formal announcement yet of who we're going to play. It'll be one of those deals where we're guaranteed two games and we'll play. So there will probably be an upgrade in competition, perhaps some RPI opportunities there, or the net. That's what they're calling it now, the net. It's all the same stuff. So don't know the details on that, but that's going to be November 25th and 27th. So we'll play a Thursday, Saturday deal down there. We sit, we tend to get to invited to one of those things every year. We're back in December opening up against Lamar, December 2nd. Minnesota, the Golden Gophers, coming in here on December 5th. And then we skip to the 14th of December, and that's Georgia State will come in. I guess that will be the week after finals. And then we have Furman come in on the 17th, and then Tuesday Winthrop will come in. And then we're going to play uh, Texas Tech at Texas Tech. That's going to be the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Also of note, too, that Tuesday, December 21st, that's the Christmas week game. That's going to be in the Mississippi Coliseum in Jackson. So we're back down there again. So that's kind of how things go leading into SEC play. So, again, 
and you look at the schedule and you begin to think, okay, this is not a you know, overloaded schedule, but you know there are, there could be some opportunities depending on how this holiday tournament works out. That, that Thanksgiving weekend tournament for us, and then yeah, I don't know how good Minnesota's going to be, but it's a Power Five opponent. Texas Tech is as well. We're going to be on the road playing them. And listen, we've got a chance to be really good this year. You know, last year we knew it was going to be a developmental year, and we probably exceeded expectations. I think, I think if we're all being honest with ourselves, listen, we can say, you know what, Ben's kind of underachieved, and he has. But last year might have been the best coaching job he's done here. And now all of a sudden you begin to look at these transfers, and you've got guys coming in, you begin to think, okay, we've got a chance to kind of get some cool things going here. You look at who all's kind of transferred in. You know, you know what you've got you know, with uh, Iverson Molinar and Tolu Smith coming back. Abdullah Dew is gone. DJ is gone. And I hate that DJ is gone. I really do. I think if DJ's back, I think we could have been even better. But you bring in Garrison Brooks, stud. DJ Jeffries from Memphis, stud. Rocket Watts, Michigan State, stud. Shaquille Moore from NC State. Think a lot of him. You know, and so you begin to begin to think about how this class kind of come together. But, you know, we got you know, Rocket Watts is a guy that uh, is going to be fine. He had to have a uh, surgical procedure here a few weeks back. But I'm excited about men's hoops. And to be honest with you, the last couple of years, I haven't been excited about men's hoops. You know, I, I miss the uh, Charles Rhodes, Jamont Gordon days. I miss that. I know you guys do as well. I think we can take a step kind of towards that this year in many respects. And everybody says, well, you know, we'll see what kind of coach Ben is now that he's run out of, of uh, MSU legacies. And, and that's true. But I think this year he's really answered the bell. And, yeah, I know Garrison Brooks is a Bulldog legacy, but those other guys aren't. We went out and got some really talented players to come in, and I think it's something to be excited about. I think everybody can look at this Mississippi State roster right now and say, you know what? We got a chance to go out there and win some games. We got a chance to get back to the tournament. I'm eager to see how things go in practice this year. And you know, Ben is really good about letting us go to practice. You know, when when it's allowable. And so maybe we get to go this year. Of course, last year was a lot of regulations and all, but it would be nice to be able to go see uh, these guys perform. You know, prior to we get into the season. And you know, I like the makeup of this team. And I think as we look at the juice that we had down the stretch, we were a difficult team to play down the stretch. We were inconsistent much of the SEC schedule. But down the stretch, we kind of got things going, won some games that I think people were expecting us to lose. And then we go to the finals of the NIT. And we just ran into a more talented team. We ran into a team that should have been in the NCAA tournament. But that's good for us. Kind of shows us where we have to develop. And so we'll see how things progress, but I feel really good about the direction of the team right now. And listen, we all know that Ben needs a big year, but I think the the the, the pieces are there for us to have a big year. And so I'm optimistic, and I hope that you are as well, and I hope that you'll consider coming out and uh, supporting the men. You know, that's, our attendance the last few years has not been great, but it would be really nice if we could turn out and have a big crowd uh, some of these ball games this year. Because I think you're going to be, I think you're going to see a more exciting brand of basketball. I really do. I think I think the, the talent level uh, is going to really take a step forward this year. I want to thank you guys too for all your support of the uh, of the books. You know, I, I signed I guess a dozen or so books for personalization yesterday, and then signed a couple more cases to fill signed, copied orders for you guys. 
you can go to alphadogsthebook.com. That's alphadogs, D-A-W-G-S, thebook.com. And you can order personalized copies of Flim Flams, Dark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. If you're looking for the newest one, Blooms of Oleander came out on June 7th, and it's been on the Mississippi bestsellers list ever since. Thank you all very much. I encourage you to buy those from Mississippi's independent bookstores or your own local bookstore. They can order it through Ingram, this Blooms of Oleander, Steve Robertson, they can get it for you. If you want personalization, you're going to have to either come to a signing or order through Book Martin Cafe. It's downtown in Starkville. If you don't care about signing or personalization, just order through Amazon, Books of Megan, or BarnesandNoble.com. You can go do that today. They'll get it right out to you. They've got available stock. There's people that handle all that stuff. I just write the books and, and smile and sign them. I don't handle that aspect of the business. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the new book, but I want to sh- share with you guys, too, where I'm going to be here the next couple of weeks. This Friday evening... From 5.30 to 8, I'll be signing books downtown at Book Martin Cafe. They have the annual Summer Unwind event. It is a Friday night, and everybody comes, and they go from place to place, and they get their little wine glass and get a sip of wine as they go, and they, they frequent our downtown vendors. If you would like to be a part of that, come on down. We're happy to have you. On Saturday, August the 7th, I will be at Lemuria Books in Jackson from 2 to 3-ish. I'll be there to at least 3 if you guys are still around, I'll stay a little bit longer. So, Lemaria Books, August 7th, and then Book Martin Cafe this Friday night. So, as I told you guys, I'm not going to tour a whole lot this summer because I've got to finish writing Dogpile. But uh, it's going to be a very, very busy fall for me. Obviously, we're going to do a lot of book signings. And so, we're going to do game day signings every weekend. The Mississippi State is at home. Now, the new book, Dogpile, won't be out the first couple months you know the hope is to have that out and ready to roll for you guys um you know mid-november or so we'll definitely have it out in time for the christmas rush but so football signings you know you're going to get more of the same come out and say hello buy the book you know and there's so many people right now that are just so excited to get their hands on anything mississippi state related that uh, we're all kind of benefiting from that so i know that campus bookmart and bookmart cafe have sold several of my books uh, as well as some other bookstores around the state. I've had some people contact me, even the folks at Turnrow said, hey, we gotta, we got to get stocked up again on these books, which is always great. It means you guys are enjoying them. So, so much fun, to, to say the least. But uh, Dog Paul, I guess I'm five chapters in right now. By the end of the week, I'll probably have maybe a third of the book roughed out, and then it'll go to the editorial process. And so, you know, I'm not giving myself a lot of breaks. I've taken a little bit of a break. You know, I wrote four chapters last week, and then, you know, went to the rock show and kind of gave my chance a day a, a day to kind of recover from that. And so the rest of this week, it's what it's going to be. Nose of the grindstone kind of pumping out these chapters, and I'll be up late. I will do my best Thursday night to go ahead and record Friday's show for you guys. I know many of you like to listen to this on your morning drive, and I do apologize for that. You know, but when, when we're not in season, I just don't feel maybe that same sense of urgency. But I'll do my best to try to, you know, do these at night so you guys can have them. Uh, the full length of your day. And I do apologize for that because I would planned on doing it last night, but I'm just not as young as I used to be. So when I go to these shows and, and uh, I get home late, it takes me a day or two to recover, especially when I get got to get up and do radio and things like that. So uh, it's, uh, it's a fun life, but uh, sometimes I don't get enough rest. And so last night I just felt like I wanted to just kind of watch old TV and I just felt myself kind of drifting away. I've been watching Manifest. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. The uh, I'm in season, I guess I'm episode five now of Manifest, season two of Manifest. 
It's on Netflix. It is a absolutely wild adventure. It's about a plane that uh, basically disappears for five and a half years. And then all of a sudden they go into land and then life has kind of moved on without them. And so I won't give it away, but it is remarkable. The writing is very good. And, um, you know, listen, it's it's a little silly at times. I mean, the, the premise of it, the movie itself is kind of silly, but you know what I'm saying. There's just a lot that goes into this, but it's very entertaining. And I know many of you are always looking for something new to watch. So let me recommend Manifest. Uh, check it out. I think you'll be glad you did. So that's kind of where that stands. And then, you know, jeanspage.com, this is a great time for us as we kind of get ready to go into big dog camp. And next thing you know, it'll be fall camp. And I'm, I'm eager to start writing football content again, too, as much as I love baseball. I had a fun time yesterday, uh, interviewed, uh, you know, about Holly, about Grant Jackson, who is from Beulah Hubbard High School, won a state championship. And, um, uh, father of a couple of daughters that love Mississippi State. So I was able to write that story yesterday. It's a free story on Gene's page. You may have seen it on your Facebook feed. It's called Daddy's Girls. And it's basically about, you know, this is a guy who was a state championship pitcher and had a chance to go play college baseball, elected to stay home and work, and got married and had a couple of girls and coached them in softball and taught them to love Mississippi State. And he passed away earlier this year. And to honor his memory, his daughters went to Omaha together for the first time. Uh, and honored his memory by going to support the Bulldogs at the College World Series. And so it's a great story. These are the kind of stories I love to write. I'd rather write that stuff than just about anything, to be honest with you, uh, just because I enjoy people sharing themselves. You know, it's like well, there's so much stuff in life that, you know, we just kind of live in the uh, in the accidental phase of life, you know, we just kind of go through. And there's just so much fake civility, and sometimes people don't even talk about who they really are. But uh, Holly had reached out to me on Twitter because she had read my story, our guys that I'd written about, you know, how much I was looking forward to going to Omaha and, you know, about Mississippi State players being such a big part of, of my life. And uh, my, I had, my dad had passed that down to me, and I'd pass it down uh, to my children. So the story was called Our Guys, and somehow she had run across the story and just, you know, wanted to kind of let me know that she was part of the tribe. And so she tweeted me that picture of her and her sister holding up her dad's picture and I just felt so moved by that, and so I reached out and said, hey, let's, let's write a story, and uh, they were more than happy to oblige. And I think those are the things the Mississippi State family needs to read. You know, there's so much out there, and there's so many people that have such hot takes, and, and guys, anybody can make a list. Like, I read this stuff, and it's like, this guy, what's this big boomer sooner or whatever? Who, man, who cares? Do you really think he knows anything? He's been around and talked to anybody? Oh, this is the best – college experience here and this is the best restaurant you think he's been out and done that stuff of course not but anybody can get a twitter account make a list and tweet out a graphic and the people that like it are going to retweet it and say hey look at this and the people that hate it are going to retweet it and say can you believe us moron and next thing you know the guys developed a bit of a following and so a list doesn't mean anything there's no skill in making a list people love a dadgum list though but nobody knows what they're talking about when they make these lists. Just just a random Twitter account. And then I even see some of these universities are saying, you know, that they're giving this guy some credibility. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But let's go write a list. Let's go make a let's go write an aggregate story about a, a dead gum list. I'd rather write about, you know, a couple of girls going, a couple of ladies, mothers going to honor their dad's memory in Omaha, and then we just happen to win an AFL championship. You know, on her son's birthday. Those those things are more meaningful to me. Or I could just go make a list that everybody's going to forget about six weeks from now. 
You know, let's write about things that are meaningful. Let's write about things that matter. Let's write about people. Let's write about our hearts. Let's write about our teams. Instead of some dadgum list. I've been listed to death. Maybe, maybe you feel differently than me. I can't stand all these dadgum lists from people that don't have any credibility. Let's just go make a list and see if we can't get some Twitter followers. Oh, well, what does that get you? Well, it gets me some Twitter followers. Congratulations, I guess. It's just not important. We're going to be talking football a lot here, and the only list that matters, you know, is the win and loss column, right? All these people are saying, oh, State's probably going to be 5-7, and 6-6. Six and six. I, I think that they're, they're, they tend to skew a little more pessimistic anyway. You know, I've said before, I think our ceiling is 8-4. and four. Our, our floor is probably 6-6. Six and six. Over-under is probably 7-5. I'll stick with that. I think we're going to be a better football team this year. I think we're going to be a lot better next year. I think there's some teams that are going to struggle to defense us. I really do. I, I, last year we kind of couldn't get out of our own way. And I think you're going to see a lot more proficiency on offense this year. And you know what you're going to expect on defense. And everybody says, well, we've seen them on tape. And listen, you can say what you want. You can see it on tape. But until you get out there on the field and you never know where the mad scientist is bringing the fire from, you just don't know. I'm excited for football. I really am. I feel good about basketball. And I'm really excited for baseball. Some great transfers coming in, a great signing class coming in. Uh, and you look at what softball's done here, too. You picked up a couple big transfers as well. So I think, I think we're in line here for a really great academic year of sports. I think we're going to have a great school year, 2021-2022 in athletics. And I think we're going to be competitive on all fields of play. Let's get out of here. And, again, I apologize for being later than, than normal. I'll do my best. I'll try to get some rest tonight. That way I can stay up late for you guys, uh, you know, Thursday night. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.